Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Benton Standings with us as he is every Monday and Friday. Joined us Wednesday this week. Uh, he'll probably join us on Wednesday of next week as well. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, but we were just talking about movies. When you were out in L.A. and you were you know, looking for things to do, have you seen any movies recently? I know it's football season. It's tough. But have you seen any movies recently? Um, I don't feel like I have. I don't, I'm blanking on I, I watched... Um, that three quarters of Barbie on the plane out because I didn't see it in the theater. Um, the fact that I didn't get to the last quarter probably says what I was thinking about it. Um, but no, I I don't think I've seen anything like I haven't seen okay. anything of like Oscar contenders or anything. I, and I, well, we've got I we've got two recommendations: the, the holdovers yeah. with Paul Giamatti and the Iron Claw is Denton's recommendation. But I had I've got several people tweeting me saying that they love the holdovers as well. And they're giving me, um, and I pulled up his IMDb or IMBD or whatever it is. So Paul Giamatti, I I thought Sideways was maybe his real first big movie. Did you see Sideways? Yes. You, did you like Sideways? Yeah, it was good. Um, I, I think I only saw the one time, but like, yeah, I remember like it was weird because seeing Paul Giamatti as like the lead in like a romantic uh, type story was uh, was curious, but yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, so the director that did Sideways did the holdovers and it has him in it. But um, so I, I do not remember him in Donnie Brasco, but he was in Donnie Brasco. I do remember him in Private Parts, the movie about Stern, playing Pig Vomit, you know, the WNBC program director. He was also in Saving Private Ryan. I do remember that. And I definitely remember, and he was very funny in The Negotiator, that movie with Samuel uh, L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey, which came out during that period of time. But he wasn't the lead in any of those. I think Sideways was his first big lead role um, or co-lead role with Thomas Hayden Church in that particular movie. But he he is um, – I was looking during the break to see what the reviews of this movie were, which I reviewed as a five out of five and gave him a chance to win the Oscar for, for Best Actor. And apparently he's up for all of these art critic, you know, awards for the performance. It was great. Great movie. All right. Do you think um, – Do you think, do you think uh, kids of today, like Denton's age or whatever, know that he's the son of the former commissioner of Major League Baseball? I don't think they know that. Did you know that, Denton? I did know that, but I would say that most people my age did not know that. <laughs> yeah, uh, old Bart Giamatti, who dropped dead. Exactly. Bart Giamatti dropped dead at a fairly young age, right? 
who I don't remember the I don't remember that. Um, but it, maybe I, I I don't know. But uh, but but yeah, that, that just like was fifty-one wild, but, years but, old. He he. I think he died of a uh, massive heart attack at fifty-one years old. He was fifty-one. Right. I, I thought he may have been even a little bit older than that. Um, I thought he was much older than that, based on like what I was seeing when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I thought he was definitely older than that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so, um, I guess it's easy to know where we start this week, and that is Brissett uh, is going to be the starting quarterback. When we talked on Wednesday, um, we uh, you know we we knew that it was coming, but just give me your overall reactions to the benching of. Uh, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett getting a start here, at least against the 49ers. Yeah. You know, look, if they, the, the coaches, you know, people in the building know more that's going on in terms of, you know, Sam Howell's psyche, you know, you know, what, what the play call was and what he, you know, isn't getting done out there. So they have a feel, a better feel for how big, the drop off is and considering the opponent and considering how poor Sam Howell was last week and you know how it's been struggling the last few weeks like I, I understand it but you know I go back to early, you know a few weeks back when there was that stretch of time when almost no matter what the question was Rivera was spinning an answer towards the seasons about the promising young quarterback Right. To the point where I even asked him at one point, well, if you keep saying it's about the promising young quarterback, does that mean you're going to commit to him for the rest of the year? To which he said, well, I don't know. We'll have to see. Who knows? And, and here we are. And, you know, look, we, we've seen a lot of Sam Howe. There's plenty of tape and there's plenty of information at this point for whoever's making decisions going forward to, to have you know a good feel for it. But, you know, I it, it seems like one of the things you want to get a feel for is can the kid get at, you know, Fall his way out of the hole he's in right now. Can he get you know? Can he get better? And then maybe, maybe he. What's happened the last few weeks is indication that he hasn't. But I don't know. I I I feel like it would just be for for the sake of everybody, the organization. I would probably stay with him. But you know, at this point, I I get it. It's it's I you know, it's just another. Uh, you know, it does seem like a sort of like a, a perfect encapsulation of how things have gone here the last four years, another quarterback change, um, another, you know, talked up plan that's kind of uh, run out of steam at the end. So I, I, you know, it, I don't know. I think, I I think I've lost steam even like getting up, getting worked up over it, but Uh, um, you know, it's like, you know, I think we talked about this on yesterday's show, Denton briefly. Um, It's like almost like it's happened so quickly. It's like, we haven't taken a step back to say, how did we get here? I mean, it was just a month, five weeks ago. We 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 did a poll on Sam Howell in twenty twenty four or quarterback in the draft, and it was ninety percent Sam Howell, five thousand votes or whatever it was. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then here we are, and they don't see one of the things that I I, I said, Ben. To me, overall, this is is very telling after all we've heard. From this perspective, this was always about the unknown, the guy with maybe a ceiling because we know what the ceiling is for Jacoby Brissett. So we're going to find out about this ceiling. And then as the season was going on, they were giving he was giving them enough to think that maybe he does have a ceiling because it was unknown to them before the season started as well, as you know. 
Um, and then all of a sudden, over a four-week stretch, four- to five-game stretch, he's benched, which tells me that the ceiling that they were hoping to see isn't anywhere near as high as they were hoping it would be. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you know, I definitely remember saying on here and writing and elsewhere that, like, you watch, you put together some of the compilation of some of the throws he was making this season, that, that, that touchdown throw to Terry McLaurin at Denver, um, you know, always comes to mind. Like, he had some really, really good throws. And, like, the you know, the arm strength was there, the willingness to, you know, he wasn't afraid. Obviously, he was showing the toughness. There was a lot to like. And now the question is, okay, we see there's a pretty good four. Now what? Now what? Now where can these things go? And, yeah, I mean, it's just gotten, you know, it's just sort of spiraled the last few weeks. I mean, that's kind of what it felt like the team in general. Like, I can't – I still get hard to believe that we're talking about a team now that has got the third pick of the draft. I mean, that is, you know, that, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it was becoming clear they weren't a playoff team at some point, but it was d- different than having a uh, a top three pick. And, uh, yeah, things have really just gone sideways. I, I do wonder how much all the hits – took a toll on him because it did kind of feel the last two weeks, you know, the Rams and the Jets, you know, were getting pressure, but it wasn't like he was getting no touched to the degree that he was earlier in the year. He was yet, bailing too early to get hit. Right, right. As I'm saying, like, it felt like he was abandoning the pocket or on the move, especially in the last game, um, you know, more. And, it, and even Rivera the other day made some comment to the effect of that, you know, maybe he's like, you know, seeing things out there that aren't there. So, you know, that, I mean, that was one of the things we were all talking about early on about, you know, the David Carr comparisons, which is never, you never want to feel that. So, you know, who knows? We'll see how Sam rebounds, even if it's not this year. I mean, presumably he's on the the roster one way or the other next year. I guess he could get traded or whatever, but like, um, you know, so we'll see where he's at. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is it is wild how things have just deteriorated uh, so much here. So you said something that I had on my list of questions because I, I, I talked about them perhaps now not believing that the ceiling's very high. But all along, you know, uh, especially during some of those good moments, one of the things that we all decided on, and I feel the same I feel like I did as well, and, and that was look, this guy's gonna be in the league. You know, he's he's a solid high end backup. He's got you know, the floor is very high for him. I mean, that's that's the good news here. We've learned that. We don't know, you know, I think people like us said, I'm not sure what his ceiling is, um, but the floor is high. I think we've learned over the last four to five weeks, the floor is actually low and maybe very low. Do you agree with that or not? Um, well, I mean, you know, he's based on just the last four to five weeks. I mean, it's definitely not a guy that you would feel great about putting in, you know, in those, in the ways you have these backups sometimes, you know, in, in quick relief, a spot start for a couple games. You know, I don't feel as good about it as you would have earlier for sure. Um, You know, I mean, like I said, I think the question is what ultimately has led to this, um, this drop off, Uh, you know, again, is it, is it his, you know, is it mental that he's, you know, feeling pressure that's not there and, and, and bailing out? I mean, I also think there's a question of, you know, his his pre-snap reads. You know, one thing, you know, in this experiment, we didn't have the control part of the experiment, which is Jacoby Brissett. 
before, right? So now he, Jacoby Brissett comes in, and, you know, Brissett's obviously we already know what he is. Spot starter, high-end backup, you know, can play, and you can feel pretty good about it for a few games at least. Um, and he knows what to do. So he gets to the line of scrimmage. He sees what the defense is giving him. You heard uh, the, some of the Jets players the other day say that, you know, you can tell Brissett was just kind of taking what the defense was giving him and things like that. Um, so now seeing that comparison, you're like, oh, okay. So now it's a little, it puts I think, a little more shine on what Sam Howell's problems are. You know, again, he's 23, first year as a starter. Um, you know, I think there's enough here to say I'm I'm intrigued about him staying on my roster in some capacity for sure. Um, and I don't want to go from we were, you know, saying a few weeks ago, yeah, he's done enough to be to feel like he could be the QB one at the start of next year too. Well, I don't know. I don't know what he can do, um, but yeah, it's, it's been it's been uh, uh, distressing, maybe too hard, but it's been concerning. Uh, you know the way things have fallen, and again, that's kind of why I'd like to see it play out. I mean, a new somebody with new eyes coming in who didn't draft Sam Howell has no ties might just be like, eh, you know, we're good. We'll we'll draft a quarterback at three or whatever we'll do. We're not going to worry about him, but you know, I I, I kind of would like to see him finish it out just to see what he can do, unless they just absolutely think he's just fried right now and needs, needs off the field. Yeah, I mean, part of that is understandable. It's just also it's it's troubling because if he's gotten to the point where he is that broken right now, you know, and, and so much was riding on him and so much was talked about, but they had to bail from this because he's so – fragile right now that's not a great sign either I I think you were listening yesterday because you texted me I think during um, this segment but you do know what perhaps lies ahead next week if Dallas loses to Detroit on Saturday night the possibility they're going to play a Dallas team that's resting starters in the season finale and so I suggested yesterday on the show that this would be a moment I would absolutely advocate that Josh Harris get involved and you know tell Ron Rivera he wants to see a lot of practice squad guys um you know on on tape for the for for for, for, for perhaps a new regime to look at including Jake Fromm because you cannot win one of these two games and next week if Dallas plays uh play rest their starters they're going to have a chance to win that game. By the way, with Hal, with Brissett or Hal, and you got to do your best to get all, uh, everybody up from the practice squad to see those players. Right. What I do think, you think I texted you. I think I texted you that the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I had already said that. I, I had already said yeah. Howie Roseman made sure that Nate Sudfeld came into a game that looked winnable for Philadelphia and would have cost them four to five draft slots. And so yeah. this would be okay from my standpoint if Josh Harris, you know, suggested strongly to Ron Rivera that they see a bunch of players, including Jake Fromm, for the final if the Cowboys have nothing to play for. What do you say? Oh, I mean, a million percent. Like, look, I respect the fans out there who just desperately want their team to win no matter what, but you've got to look at the short-term game versus the long-term picture here i mean again this of course there's no guarantees that whatever draft pick they have that the player that they will potentially take or or a trade that they may move down none of that stuff will potentially work out we all understand that 
but this is about the opportunity cost and to to risk the opportunity of either being in position to draft a quarterback in the future without having to give up other assets to move up or, you know, again, to use that pick to trade down to get a whole bunch of assets like the way the Bears did last year. Um, you, you cannot screw that up at this point, uh, especially when we're talking about a scenario where everything is about to get blown up. It's not just the pick. It's a whole start. You know, we're expecting a complete refresh of a coaching staff, the front office. Obviously, a lot of the roster will be different. You cannot blow this. And anybody who's just like, no, I just want my team to win. Again, I, I get it, but I would encourage you to look at the bigger picture because if you really want your team to win, then you want to give your team the best chance to succeed. And right now, that is getting the best assets you possibly can and moving forward, and that's why you can't blow it. So, yeah, to me, Jake Fromm would be starting, and no disrespect to Jake Fromm, but he obviously hasn't played. And, you know, uh, it would be the, clearly the, 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 the least good – of the three quarterback options and, you know, John Allen or, uh, you know, I don't know how far you can take it, but, you know, sit, let, let John Allen sit and let Fedarian Mathis start, uh, you know, let, yep. let Kendall Fuller take a seat, give Emmanuel Forbes all the reps, you know, I mean, I think these are things on some level that should be kind of done anyway, but in the, in the name of um, the, the, the pick, yes, a hundred percent. Well, you know, the good news is you do have an owner that understands this. And understands yeah. the importance of this. The owner of the process in Philadelphia and all those games lost to acquire all of those high picks. I would imagine that they have thought about this scenario next week. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Ron Rivera, by his nature, is just not a guy that's going to think that way. And it's admirable in the sense of always, sure. you know, trying to figure out how to, you're going to win the next game and, the next, I get, I get all that, and, and that's all fine. Um, I think like two or three times in the last since this slide's gone, I've asked just generically, "Hey, uh, w- do you see a point where you're going to start playing some of your younger guys?" And you know, I just get back some sort of, you know, sure, well, we'll see what the opportunity presents itself. At some point, you just have to make a determination. This is what we are doing. And look, I get it. I, the football players want to play, so I, I you know. Yeah, we all understand that. I mean, yeah. those people out there that cringe with this talk, trust me, I understand. Ben understands the players and the coaches. I wouldn't want my coach to be anything other than doing everything he can to win the game. Uh, this is an organizational decision. This is where next week, if you get, by the way, I would even suggest that if Dallas has something to play for, that they still go that route to ensure that, you know, because they're not going to beat the Niners. I think we can all understand that, but they beat the Cowboys last year when the Cowboys theoretically had something to play for, um, even though it looked like the worst effort of the year from them. Um, I think they should go that route regardless uh, next week. Um, well, I mean, and hopefully, at a very ba- at a very basic level, like we talked about Jake Fromm, and I'm not going to go crazy here. Although I remember in training camp, like he looked pretty, you know, he was showing some good stuff, and there were people were saying they should get rid of Brissett and have Fromm be the number two. Okay, whatever. My my point is, I you know, Brissett's a free agent. We don't know what's going to happen next year. Let's take Fromm play. Let you know. Let, let's see. Put Tariq Castro feels that in a position to play corner give Deami brown more reps mitchell tinsley's been on this team all year i mean it was the point of having all these guys around if you're not actually going to see them do anything and sure in the course of a normal season you'd be playing for something well we're not there anymore so why not 
play them. I, I like you like you need to figure out what your roster has anyway. So because a lot, I mean, you know, a good chunk of this, of this roster is free agents and won't be back. So why not let them play? And even if it's only one game, it's more than they have right now. So I got into this debate with somebody today who who uh, actually it was last night who just said to me, I don't understand at, at why they didn't go to Brissett earlier. He beat, uh, you know, he had the better training camp. He beat Sam Howell out. Okay, you want to try Howell, that's fine. But they knew Brissett was better. They should have played him. And I said, that's not how it went over the summer. There was no clear beating out. There was no clear indication that Howell was so much inferior to Brissett. Am I remembering that incorrectly? No, no, no. How, there was well. I mean, for one, as we know, there was no competition because Hal was given all the reps, every first, first team rep, reps, yeah. other than like two, like two days towards the end, they gave Percent to some work. But yeah, no, it was all Hal. There was no competition, and Percent wasn't particularly sharp. But you know, as I've come to learn, you know, the more training camps you go through, training camps can be deceptive, right? I mean, Taylor Heineke certainly didn't look the part in training camp, but then when he gets on the field, he's a different guy. We're on the flip side. I think mean, two years in a row, we've all said. Boy, Cole Turner looking looking like a possible thing, and then he's, he gets relegated to to to, to minimal duties, um, and and it becomes a non-factor. So you you know it's hard to say, but no, there was no, there was nothing along those lines. I think the question though is, like even just from a practical perspective, right? Let's go back here. The, they give Deron Payne the franchise tag, but then they say we need to give him a, a longer-term deal, but partly because he was you know, a very good player, but. They, they needed to get that franchise tag off the book so they could spend more money this year. And then they go out and give Jacoby Brissett an $8 million deal for one year. Then they proceed to not give Jacoby Brissett any chance of actually starting unless Hal's terrible, which to his credit, he wasn't. Couldn't you have just given Jacoby – I don't remember exactly what every one of those Jacoby Brissett-type quarterbacks got, but he got the most money. Yeah, hey, couldn't you have given somebody else like $4 million and then use that $4 million on, I'm making this up, a left guard, uh, another tight end, something else. But, like, they, they went for the high end of a thing that they were never going to use unless things went terribly wrong. And it's like, well, even that plan is kind of weird, right? If you were really never going to give Jacoby Brissett any shot, what, why did you feel the need to go get a high-end backup? Why not use that money on somewhere else and roll the dice that how it works? You're already rolling that dice that he works and doesn't get hurt and instead just, you know. Give, go go sign Nick Foles for two million or whoever. I can't. I'm blanking on who was who was there, but you know what I mean. Like even that was kind of a weird part of the whole thing. Well, I think they did that because, as we talked about during the off season, they were going to give Sam you know the chance because they said they were going to give Sam the chance when the season ended, and they were trying to deflect attention from the end of the 2022 season. But they didn't have any clue as to whether or not Sam could do it. They liked some things about Sam. They liked his arm. They liked his mobility. They liked him. But they weren't sure. He was a complete unknown. He was a wing and a prayer. And so if the prayer wasn't answered in a big way early, like, oh, my God, no, he's not somebody we can put on the field. They had to have somebody that they could put on the field. Right, but I'm just saying, like, the the Colts having drafted Anthony Richardson fourth, Right. Yeah. They, they signed Gardner Minshew, who is essentially right. a Jacoby Brissett level guy for three point sure. five million. So all I'm that's saying fair. is, yes, yeah, Could have done that. If 
Right. Like even that part of the plan is kind of like, well, wait, if you're really going to commit to this, why not then go something you know, Baker Mayfield signed but, for $4 million. Obviously, I think he was given a better shot to start in Tampa. But you know what I mean? Like there were other options. You didn't have to give Bursett $8 million with no real shot to play him. And I think that, like, whatever. Again, I think Brissett takes you. But I think that in their mind there was a chance, and the chance was if Sam actually couldn't do it. Like, if it was obvious from the jump, yeah, he's not ready. And that's the point that I – that's what got us into this portion of the conversation – during training camp, during the offseason, unlike the year before, where all of you guys who were out there every day were saying, you know, Wentz doesn't really look that good. You, at no point was it obvious that Sam was not ready, couldn't do it, and Brissett was clearly better. And by the way, in the preseason games, it was the same thing. Sam actually played better in the preseason games for whatever whatever that's worth. Remember how good he was in the Baltimore game. Um, you know, in that preseason game. So uh, th- there wasn't a reason to go to Brissett any earlier because he didn't clearly beat him out or Sam didn't clearly lose his spot. Um, and then the bottom line is it really wasn't until the last four to five games where it was consistently bad. It was sporadically bad, but it wasn't consistently bad until the last month. Sure, sure. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this. I, I guess my only point is when you make the determination that Sam Howe is going to effectively be your starter in January, you don't even know, you haven't even signed Brissett, you haven't even hired the enemy yet. What, you know, if you're going to do that, then commit to the bit, right? Use the money to patch up your offensive line to protect the young quarterback who's a little smaller in stature. You've talked before about, you know, your play is kind of small. You know, wouldn't it have made sense to go out and sign some guard, right, to help protect up the middle, et cetera, um, do, or, or maybe use more money at center instead of going to gate, get somebody else, whatever it would be. I'm just saying commit to the bit. If you're going to do this, then do it. Instead, they, com- they, they say this is going to happen, and then they give the most money to any of the backup quarterbacks that were signed for a guy who uh, – I'm not saying he should have come in earlier, but I'm saying that was sort of the point. You were already rolling the dice that Sam Howe was going to work, so why not just, you know – why not spend, you know, if you're in, in the name of winning, spend the money elsewhere? Commit to the bit like it's a skit. Like we got to be committed here. We this is a big <laughs> well, acting I mean, job. We got to we got to commit to. Look, I I think the offense, uh, the the Gardner Minshew thing, because he is a good backup, is is a is a reasonable answer. And then using that money elsewhere. The big difference there is Gardner, like they drafted Anthony Richardson in the in the you know in the top half of in the in the top ten, and their plan was to eventually move him. I think it. Set and it could have been Minshew for less money, that they needed somebody who could actually play in the event that they found out because they had no idea what to expect, that, that they found out that Sam couldn't. And there was a chance going into this that they were going to learn that Sam couldn't do it. And bottom line is if the schedule had been flipped, as your hypothetical suggested a few weeks ago, um, they would have found out probably earlier rather than later that Sam really wasn't ready and Brissett would have played 
earlier. With respect to the offensive line, I don't want to keep going down this path because we've gone down it many times going back to you know the offseason. I do think that they wanted to draft an offensive line first and foremost, as Ron would say. I think Darnell Wright was very high on their board and had Darnell Wright slipped to where they picked at 16, that would have been the pick. The other thing about the draft, just for those of the, uh, those people that say, why didn't they draft an offensive lineman at 16? Well, all of the first-round offensive line basically the people that thought were top half of the league offensive linemen were gone by the time Washington selected. You know, the kid from Northwestern, Skronsky, um, the big kid from Georgia who Pittsburgh traded up for, forgetting his name right now, Denton. Um, uh, the Ohio State kid in uh, Darnell Wright. And then with respect to free agency, the players got to want to come here too. And the players that wanted to come here – they, you know, Eric Bieniemy liked his guy Wiley, so they brought him in, and I guess he liked, uh, along with everybody else, Gates. It's not like they completely ignored it in free agency; they just didn't do well with it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, many of the issues of this team over the last four years have come down to uh, player evaluation, who they signed, who they drafted, and so you know that first year. I mean, one of the big revelations of 2020 was, wow, look at all the moves they made. J.D. McKissick, Logan Thomas, Ronald Darby. You know, you, you know like all these guys, like, you know, went from like, all right, I guess we'll see, to, wow, they're pretty, they're pretty helpful. Rarely was that happening over the remainder of the time. And, look, I also know that they were limited with their budget because of the whole right. sale that was happening. Um, all, all that's true. I'm just saying if you're going to say Sam Howell is the plan in January – then you need to, you know, prop up that plan as best you can. And entering a year with the often injured Sadiq Charles and seventh round pick Chris Paul as your left guard competition, I mean, you know, yeah. and then it played out the way that it played out. It's not Monday morning quarterbacking to think well, this is how it was going to go. That was, you know, poor. And look, you know, Nick Gates, you know, look, he, he obviously started last year for the Giants. I think he's a, a viable player. It didn't work. They draft Stromberg in the third round. He gets hurt. Um, you know, whatever they did, Brayden Daniels was looking really um, unplayable during the summer. So, they, yeah, they did attempt to do some things. None of the things worked out. I'm, you know, like I said, I, I just feel like if you're going to do this thing, and this goes back to the thing we talked about the other day, do you bench Howe in the sake of the other 52 guys? You know, I don't think you're thinking of the other 52 guys when you, when you decide to do this thing with Howe and then – don't help him out to the degree that you. I think you could have with some of the choices um, that they made. Did you need to draft a second defensive back in the first two rounds over, you know, somebody else that could maybe block or whatever? I don't know. Um, by the way, like the, even, the, you know, the, the pass rushing thing, right? Part of why this thing has gone down south so much, when they basically have no pass rush anymore after those trades, obviously you're going to lose something when you lose Sweat and Young. But what was the backup? What was the next plan? You figured at least one of those guys was going to be gone. So who's replacing him? You know, I mean, like, there only has to be a plan going forward, and it just felt too many times like it just is either incoherent or, you know, ultimately whatever they did just didn't work. Well, remember that the plan may have been Lucas Van Ness. Remember we had the – 
the the, the video tweeted out uh, the conversations between Ron and Mayhew, and they were you know they're talking back and forth with the Patriots to try to get to four. They were hoping for one of the linemen to drop in, and then when they traded, when they were talking about trading up to fourteen. You know, you you suggested this, and I I think you you're, you're right. The player that they probably wanted was Van Ness, and when he was off the board, they stopped talking to New England because he went the pick before. Um, anyway, uh, that's you know, they didn't do enough to help him. He wasn't helped enough, and at the same time, he wasn't good enough. You know, all of those things are true simultaneously. And in the last four to five weeks, he's been dreadful period. And that's alarming for anybody that really thought this was a possibility moving forward. So um, I've got a minute here, uh, and I just wanted to ask you about what you wrote about this morning, which is the challenges facing Josh Harris in pursuing the new general manager. So what are the challenges for him uh, as we're a few weeks away from perhaps starting to get news, maybe less than a few weeks away? Yeah, I mean, the story is really about how, you know, obviously we've talked for weeks about how Josh Harris has been, you know, they're, they're exploring all their options, not not necessarily, you know, whether Rivera would stay or not, what's available to them out there, what could they look at, Who's you know, what coaches or GMs could they possibly get if they make changes. And obviously it's going both ways now. Everybody else on the outside is wondering what is up with Washington, what is their plan. And, you know, it, it's not so much like there's like massive negatives, although one – one person was talking about how, um, you know, the whole like stadium and facilities is a bit of a downer right now. If you're if you're trying to come in and turn things around, you have to work what's in that. But uh, you know, I think they're trying to figure out, you know, what is exactly his plan. Sure, it's analytics. How hard is it going to go? Does he not going to want people who have, who are you know, sort of baseline uh, talent evaluators, or is he going to go hardcore um, with the numbers guys? And I think that people are just trying to figure that out. But so far, so good on the impression he's making. And that's kind of what a lot of the story is about just trying to get a feel from the outside as to how they're seeing what Josh Harris is up to, what they think of the organization now and where this might go. All right, quickly 49ers, Washington, because you do this, this, it's a tradition. Ben's prediction on this show on Friday. Uh, I mean, uh, I think, I think one game I said it was going to be like 38 to 10 or this year. And I think it was pretty close to that. So Something along those lines. I mean, San Fran coming off that bad loss. Boy, they're going to want to come out. Um, uh, you know, I'm not so much worried about the former commanders or Washington players, I should say, coming back here. But, uh, yeah, like 40 to 12 or something to that effect. All right. Talk to you on Monday. Thanks. Right, actually, I won't talk to you on Monday. Talk to you by the uh, middle of next week. Happy New Year. Thanks for all you've done for the show this year. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Happy holidays. At Ben Standing on Twitter. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 